Welcome y bienvenidos to About Consent, the podcast that sparks conversations about creating consent culture, boundary repair, sexual empowerment, orgasm equality, and raising a new sexually conscious and consent-empowered generation. This is a safe, shame-free, judgment-free zone where both survivors and those who support survivors are welcome. I'm your host, Rosalia Rivera. I am so excited to bring someone on that has so much information to share, but also experience hands-on in the ground, on the ground uh, experience with a topic that I have very quickly become much more passionate about since the pandemic started, because we, I think, need a lot more information to realize how important and how much we need to prioritize online safety for our kids. Uh, when I started Consent Parenting, a lot of my information was based on uh, educating offline safety, right? So abuse prevention for children that are really young. But as we have moved into this new era of uh, digital and particularly now with the pandemic, more kids are online, which obviously um, is something we can't really avoid. And uh, it's not to shame anyone. It is what it is. But we need to be more proactive as parents to make sure that they're staying safe, that they're navigating it in a way that is beneficial and not dangerous. So I'm really excited to bring Kara Chase on to talk about this topic and to share the experience. Um, so Kara is a former special agent, having conducted countless investigations of internet crimes against children, child exploitation, and child pornography. While she is now an online entrepreneur specializing in Pinterest marketing, her in-depth and unique experience in criminal law enforcement really does give her a perspective and dose of real-world knowledge that is so needed. And I could not agree more. So, Kara, thank you so much for joining us and being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to chat more. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, as soon as I found out, so we met through uh, Kate Northrup's Origin uh, Membership Collective. And when I saw your post talking about this, sharing your knowledge with the group, um, I had to connect with you because there aren't many people uh, that are really bringing this uh, kind of attention and awareness to the space of abuse prevention. And I think um, there are people who are talking about it. I shouldn't say that there aren't enough, but I think parents are just not realizing how urgent it is unless it comes from someone who's like been on the ground with it. So um, I would love to get a little bit more background on like how you got into uh, these kinds of cases. Like how, how did that journey happen for you? Um, you know, that, that also made you passionate about talking about it now. Yeah, absolutely. So I did not start off my adult career as a Pinterest marketer, obviously. Um, I was actually recruited by what at the times was US Customs. Uh, pre 9-11. So I was recruited right out of college. I was a special agent at 22, 23 years old, um, a long time ago. So this was before Facebook. This was before most social media. And uh, I was assigned to a group that um, at the time it was called child pornography investigations. And it was really the start of realizing that 
the internet had given rise to um, the seedy underbelly of of what is child exploitation, and uh, it was very quickly becoming obvious that it was a problem and a thing um, that we needed to pay attention to. So I was involved very, very early on in the days of the first Internet Crimes Against Children Task Forces, which was federal, state, and local law enforcement, um, child exploitation, some child trafficking, but at the time it was really more about the child pornography, and those are two different things, although they can overlap in some scenarios. Um, and spent quite a few years um, doing these kinds of investigations and really seeing what happens that most parents just, they don't want to think about it. They don't want to talk about it. I mean, there's things that I still have nightmares to um, for to this day um, mm. that I've, I've seen and dealt with. So um, the reason I felt so called to kind of start talking about this again uh, beyond just my personal life and what we do as a family is because we're all going to be online this fall with our mm -hmm. kids and our kids are all going to be online. Um, and I woke up one Sunday morning several weeks ago and we have a seven-year-old daughter and thinking, oh my goodness, this online safety talk that I thought we would probably have at nine or 10 years old, because that's where I thought we'd be with how much she'd be online. Right. That has to happen like yesterday. Yeah. And realizing that even with all of my experience, knowing that I'd be comfortable talking with her, that it was happening much sooner than we had planned on as parents. Um, and realizing that if I felt like, oh my gosh, this kind of snuck up on me with everything that's changing so quickly in our lives, um, that other parents probably felt the same way and did not have the experience that I have in knowing how to talk to their mm -hmm. kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and from what I've read, you know, as you were saying, you started when it all started, right? This has really evolved and the oh numbers gosh, that yes. I'm seeing are exploding um, can you talk a little bit about what you've seen in terms of how it's evolved from when it first started? Like, I, I remember um, there was a very famous case, which I think was what helped turn into like Alicia's Law uh, with Alicia. Um, I always say her last name wrong, but Alicia Kovac, I think is how she says it uh, to shorten it. But uh, her case was really famous because she was 13 and she ended up getting abducted. She had been groomed by someone for a, the course of eight months um, mm -hmm. when, when, you know, it was like AOL and you're doing dial up back then. Um, and people thought it was like, oh, that's, you know, sort of a rare case. Like her parents just didn't know. And, you know, that that's under control now. I think people have this perception that it's, it's gotten better that, you know, law enforcement has gotten better at, at tracking these guys or tracking, you know, these predators. Um, can you, talk about sort of that evolution, like what, what was it then to what is it now? Um, I think that it is always the case with law enforcement that we're always trying to catch up to what they have figured out how to do next. Mm -hmm. And that is kind of the unfortunate frustrating thing about being a criminal investigator or in law enforcement, um, particularly with these kinds of cases is criminals adapt. Um, you know, that's true with drug smuggling. That is true with financial crimes. That is true with everything. Um, so that's always been the case where technology evolves 
or apps come out like WhatsApp or, um, you know, some of the other ones that have come and gone over the years, you know, even Zoom, just what, a couple months ago, having a yeah. problem with security, all of that. Um, so the problem is, is law enforcement is always one step behind, right? Yeah. Um, we don't know, I say we like present tense, but um, you know, we don't know what the next thing is until we've gotten a lead or we've seen what's happened. And then we're trying to do the best we can to um, fix it or prevent it or figure out how to investigate it. Um, one of the difficult things is that there are privacy laws with these companies, um, whether it's Apple or Microsoft or any app or whatever it is. And even when it's something so compelling as far as we're trying to save a child that is being real-time abused, or we're trying to identify a child because we've seen these pictures and we need to know if this is something that happened 20 years ago or whether it's something that happened right now, whatever mm -hmm. it is. And these companies that come back and are like, we're not, you know, even with a subpoena, even with a whatever. Mm -hmm. So law enforcement is having to not only fight against, um, you know, trying to keep up with um, how the crimes are being perpetrated, but um, the evolution of privacy for consumers with their data and all of that. And I'm not saying one or the other, I'm saying it is a struggle um, right. and it's not black and white. And um, it is a factor that law enforcement has to deal with now, yeah. for sure. Yeah, I read uh, an article from the Times about how tech companies are either struggling with how to navigate that, like you said, you know, the privacy issues mm -hmm. and, and then also being responsible, um, you know, for in, consumer in, protection. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. For, for child protection at this, at, you know, and I think that with a lot of this, it always, you know, what I keep coming back to is how can we at home be more proactive? What can we do? Um, at least on our end, right, and the front end where we can be um, more active, more proactive yeah. about, you know, empowering our kids and giving them that the information so that they don't fall into that. And uh, I think what a lot of people also don't realize is that, you know, you had mentioned before um, child exploitation and child pornography, which I know is also now known as child sexual abuse material, right? They've, they've changed it to CSAM. Um, but I think in, in uh, when criminals are being charged, from what I understand, the law still uses the term child pornography. But there is a difference, you know, between child pornography and child exploitation. Can you talk about what that difference is and how it how it applies? Um, I don't think that there's a difference legally between the two. Uh, my differentiating factor that I mentioned was the difference between child pornography and child trafficking. Okay. Yeah. Can you so, talk about that difference actually then? Yeah, obviously child trafficking is a, is a physical, like actual in-person where a child is abducted and they are sold, they are moved around different countries. Um, that is child exploitation, but it is not the same thing as child pornography being something that is um, either produced or, or traded online. Um, 
that both trafficking and pornography are exploitation, but it's the difference between um, something uh, happening where your child is abducted versus the pornography side of mm-hmm. that exploitation. Right, right, right. Yeah, and and I think what um, what I've learned also is that when we're talking about online safety, I think mm-hmm. people have, parents have this perception that, you know, a stranger very evidently will contact your child and your child will know this is a stranger. I'm not supposed to talk to strangers and they'll shut right. it down. Um, but you have obviously seen that that's not how all predators will, you know, uh, try to communicate with a child. Can you talk about some of those ways that you have seen this sort of unfold and, and some of the different ways that parents may not be seeing how that could happen? Um, Well, that's a very in-depth conversation. There's a lot of places to go with that. Um, So I'm trying to figure out the best place to start. I think one of them is this concept that parents think it's going to be a stranger and that it's going to be obvious, just like you said, in the very real world um, scenarios that happen most often, which is that it's actually somebody they know. Mm-hmm. So child pornography is the digital um, file, whether that's a video or a photo or whatever it is, of something that legally constitutes child pornography. So whether that's a neighbor's older brother, whether that's a schoolmate, whether that's somebody taking that picture and posting it online, it's not, it's not always going to be somebody they don't know. Mm-hmm. So you well know the stats around um, a child being abused more often than not it being somebody they know. Right. right. 90%. Um, yeah. So um, that is also something we can come back to this later. That is also something that has made me very nervous about parents right now being super quick to sign up their kids with these small group cohorts at people's houses this year. We can come back to that. Um, I have seen child abuse play out from everything from their own parent or parents manufacturing and producing Mm -hmm. pornography. Um, One of the most horrendous cases I was ever involved in was a man who was sending pictures of his daughter in utero to his network of abusers saying, can't wait for her to get here. Wow. Like it makes me. Yeah. And this was 2001, 2002. Wow. So everything from it being, um, you know, this person um, doing this to his daughter, manufacturing. Um, this person was also a licensed marriage and family therapist. Wow. Um, I cannot overestimate how the people that do this are opportunists and they know how to put themselves in the position of access. Yeah. So while it is possible with today's technology and software and all these different things for it to be a random 
someone was able to jump on Zoom and they were naked at some, you know, whatever kind of thing, it's far more likely that it follows the traditional abuse patterns of it being somebody, you know, that you didn't think about, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, this person was also training his son for how to do this abuse. Um, it was an international ring where all told after the investigation, um, I think we identified somewhere around 60, um, perpetrators and manufacturers in this worldwide ring. And they trade these things like baseball cards. Yeah. That's what they are to them. Um, so, uh, you know, and I think about this girl who we took out of her house. I, I remember this so clearly. We um, had gotten the lead and we had determined that it was um, something, something that was happening real time and where this girl was on a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning. And we got the warrant within a few hours and it was that quick of like, we got the lead, we figured out who this girl was, where she was, um, got the warrant, went in on a Sunday and um, I'll never forget walking in and my supervisor at the time was walking this guy out in cuffs as I was walking in the door and I heard him say, they don't put people like me in jail. They put people like me in therapy. Wow. And I walked in and I saw the same pieces of furniture that we had seen in the pictures that we had identified of the abuse. And it was a very real time, like this made it all real kind of thing. Going from seeing pictures on the internet of the abuse to going into somebody's house to save as much as you can save mm-hmm. this girl. And there's everything that was in the pictures. It's, and the weeks we spent interviewing neighbors who had kids who were just beside themselves because they had sent their kids over to that house to play and all of those things. Um, and, you know, that was back in the day of before social media and, and before all of this stuff. So I'm not saying that it's, it's worse now. I think we're much more aware of it now with the technology and the tools um, that we have, and we're better able to identify what's happening. Um, But it's not something that um, is drastically different as far as you know, it just happens so much more now. Uh, and right. I think that's something people miss too, is like, well, it's always happened, you know, whether it was pictures printed out somewhere um, or whether it, you know, is the state that it is now. This episode is brought to you by Consent Parenting, my online platform for survivor parents to learn how to keep their kids safe from abuse. Did you know that children of survivor parents have a five times higher chance of being abused because survivor parents don't know or learn the tools needed to prevent abuse? They tend to overprotect instead of empower and prepare. You can change the statistics by becoming an educated parent. 
Get started by downloading my free guide, Seven Ways to Teach Your Kids About Body Safety, Boundaries, and Consent by going to aboutconsent.com forward slash guide. The link will be in the show notes to get your free copy today. Now let's get back to the show. Yeah, yeah. Wow. That is, uh, you know, of course, deeply disturbing um, for many reasons, but particularly how uh, I think a lot of parents also don't realize that these can be people that we, we believe to be upstanding citizens in our communities. Mm-hmm. Um, and they feel like, oh, I can spot somebody, you know, I can tell when somebody is, you know, just by the way that they look or something. But based on so many cases that I've seen, it's like, these are people who make it a point to be able to hide in plain sight. This uh, person was not only a licensed marriage and family therapist, um, he taught at a school for autistic children. Oh, my God. Yeah. And while we never found evidence of anything happening with, you know, school or kids at that school, I mean, it just gives you the willies on every level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so back to what can parents do? The number one thing they can do before they install special software, before they like do all of these technology things, don't let your kids have their computer in their room. It Mm -hmm. needs to be in a public family space. Absolutely. And that's a lot easier to do when they're younger and you set those ground rules from the get-go than trying to tell your teenager who's had a computer in their room that that's not going to be the case anymore. Um, But the number one thing you can do as a parent is to have their computer in a public family space to not let them take their cell phones into their bedroom at night, you know, whatever it is, nine o'clock phones get plugged in, in the kitchen kind of thing. Um, Just those basic parameters of, you know, being able to have an eye on things. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's simple actually just, you know, have their computer in a family space. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that one of the pieces that, a lot of parents um, should also be aware of is that you, you know, one of the things that I've learned through my research on this also is you may actually be uh, like have a friend in real life who then maybe doesn't have all of that education about online safety and they've befriended someone who they think is, you know, a, a, a normal you know, 12 year old or whatever age, right. Mm -hmm. Um, that they, they believe is, is a friend Mm -hmm. and that person has now convinced them to introduce them to their network of friends and now has introduced a stranger to your child, but because it's through a mutual connection, they believe, Oh, that, that should be fine. I can trust this person. My friend knows them. Um, and then that's, you know, where that, that door gets opened. Right. Um, I, I've seen that, that that's also the other aspect of, of that um, where parents are like, you know, if, it, if it's not going to happen in my home, so I don't have to worry about it, but there is still this other real danger of how grooming can happen in the most insidious ways. Right. Um, you know, and, and then they still have that. And what I've also um, seen, and I don't know if you have seen this in, in the cases that you've worked is where that uh, grooming happens and then they lure the child out of the home 
uh, to meet, you know, mm -hmm. convinced that they're a friend, that they're, you know, maybe even a romantic, uh, you know, if it's a tween or a teen and they, they've developed a relationship with this person, um, and then they can get abducted into a trafficking uh, yes. situation. Have mm -hmm. you um, have you seen that aspect of, of, you know, situations in your end? Yes. Can you speak to <laughs> Yeah, I figured you would say yes. Yes. <laughs> um, um, you know, I don't want to go too into investigative techniques. Um, however, yes, that does happen. I think it more often happens with... Um, young teens um and into like regular teen age you know 15 16 whatever um this is where you need to get over the whole i want to respect my kids privacy and choices i mean yes you are always going to have um, privacy parameters with your child like you don't open a bathroom door without knocking you know those kinds of things that any human being should be able to expect right mm -hmm. their room is their space you know whatever it is but when it comes to um knowing what your kid is doing online, whether that's their phone or their computer, you need to get over this whole, oh, I want them to trust me and know that what I, you need to be looking at what they're doing. Mm -hmm. You need to be looking at who their friends are. And this is beyond like, you know, how many kids tell their parents, yeah, my Instagram is private, but then they have two or three other accounts that are not that their parents have no idea about, you know, all the kids are smart, mm -hmm. right? Uh, you know, they're always one step ahead. I don't want to go as far as to draw the parallel to them being criminals, but they're always one step ahead and parents are trying to catch up and, and figure out what they're doing with the latest app and phone and whatever it is or yeah. platform. So, um, that, that does happen and you need to be watching what, what your kid is doing, whether that is um, software you can install on their computer and their cell phone, um, you know, whatever it is. There are apps out there where you can see what they're doing on their computer real time. Yeah. Um, you know, things like that. And I think the most important thing, and this is the reason why I put out that five conversation starters PDF, which is designed for young kids, like K through five. Those mm -hmm. are not the conversations you'd have with teenagers. They would laugh at you. <laughs> um, but starting this expectation of open communication right. about their online activity. So, and I'm not saying it's ever too late, but the earlier you start having these conversations of, I want to know, you know, what's your favorite thing to do online or did anything unexpected happen today? You know, all of those things, that's going to set up the expectation of you are the parent and you are watching and you will have these conversations about what they're doing um, to keep them safe. Right. So yeah, you know? and, and I'm glad that you brought that up because I think uh, one of the best ways that we can protect our children is by continuously reminding them that the door is open for yes. anything, right? And I, I think a lot of parents um, think, well, if I, if I lay down these harsh sort of consequences or punishment, if they, you know, break the rules, then they won't break the rules. But 
you know, if they're realistic. They'll just figure out how to get around them. (laughs) Yeah. And then if they make a mistake, they're terrified to say something. And I think that can actually put them in greater danger, right? So Uh it's, it's so important to have uh, to create that space for transparency and open communication and safe spaces, right? Right. That they can, that they can come to. Um, you, you know, I want to talk about the PDF because that was one of the reasons that I connected with you. I thought that was so great. Um, a lot of parents just don't know where to start, right? right? Like what to, what to say, how to get your kids talking, especially as they start to get older. If you haven't sort of laid that groundwork, it's harder to yeah. open up that later. Right. So, right. Um, I'm going to definitely post the link so anyone can get their hands on that um, com- five conversation starters freebie that you um, that you have. Is there anything else that you would suggest parents uh, think about or do before they their kids are even online? Because I think that, you know, sometimes we're like, you know, oh, I'll just I'll have that conversation once, you know, we're, we're going to go there. But is there something that they should be doing before you know, maybe six months ahead of when you know your kid is probably going to go online. Like you may have a, a five-year-old uh, who isn't online yet, but they're going to be very soon. Or maybe they're just about to get started in first grade and, you know, we're going into COVID, uh, you know, school system here. So what are some things that parents can start to think about to, to do that would help prepare their kids? I really think, honestly, the best thing you can do is that open communication and laying the groundwork for that trust um, and that aspect of like, my home is where I'm safe. Um, Whatever is going on in the outside world with friends or school or whatever it is, like my home is, is where I'm safe. Mm -hmm. Um, So whether it's talking with your five-year-old about a feeling, right. Mm -hmm. Um, Because there's not much of a difference. I mean, there is, but uh-oh feeling, and that's just what I call it, is the same whether it, it happens in a situation like maybe they're at a camp, you know, and something made them uncomfortable or whatever it is, or they end up, you know, a couple of years later being online somewhere and they get that uh-oh feeling, right? Mm-hmm. So it's talking about phrases your family is going to use, how you talk about it, um, how to establish those expectations. I mean, our daughter, we're going to have a rough couple of conversations when she gets older because it's very likely, uh, never say never, it's very likely she will not be able to ever spend the night at somebody else's house, whether they are a good friend or not. Mm-hmm. Um, because I just know too much. Right. Yeah, no, um, I, I hear you. <laughs> I, and you I know, think that that's, yeah, it's a very but common. But she knows, she knows that, and we haven't had to have that, you know, difficult situation where all her friends are doing it and she's not, you know, um, but we've talked about it already and said, you know, without scaring her, like, this is just not something we do. Um, things like she doesn't go over to houses where where there's, maybe an older sibling that, you know, not too, com- it, whatever. She never goes over to houses without us being there first. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, I'll share a situation that happened with her when she was, I think she was about four. We went over, she had a little boy that she was a playmate with in preschool. I connected with the mom. 
we went over for a play date. Mom and I were sitting downstairs having coffee and talking. They were upstairs playing in his room. We left. I could tell she was upstairs when she left, when we left. And I thought it was because she didn't want to go because that was also very likely at the time, you know, kids get upset because they don't want to do whatever they need to do. <laughs> right. And we got home and I got to her level, you know, and was like, what's going on, whatever. And she told me that he had pinned her down and wouldn't let her up. And there were a lot of other things she shared and that this boy said that made me like huge red flags. Mm -hmm. And I was there in the house downstairs. Yeah. Yeah. You will not be able to prevent every situation from happening. They will, they will happen, which is like terrifying, right? It's part of being a human being and interacting with other people is being in situations that you don't see, you know, coming, right. but she was able to tell me about it and we talked about it and, you know, it's, it's, you've got to have those conversations before you think they're there, which is reason again, and when I woke up and I was like, we've got to have this conversation like yesterday, cause I was going to be two years from now. Right. Um, so having those open lines of communication and clear boundaries as a parent and sticking to what might feel uncomfortable. I mean, as parents, it's going to be uncomfortable to say, no, my kid's not spending the night at your house. Yeah. Right. For like sure. a lot of, <laughs> a lot of people would be like, that's an uncomfortable, com like, I don't want to make somebody feel bad or I don't want to make somebody feel like there's something wrong with them. And so they take a risk that in their gut, they know is not the risk they want to take for the sake of other people's feelings. Right. And that is a really hard <clears throat> thing yeah. to stick to sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I am a million percent with you on that. I think yeah. that we, um, you know, as a survivor myself, I know that for a very long time to um, set and uphold boundaries which was something I wasn't really allowed to do much mm -hmm. when I was, you know, when I was growing up, um, was uncomfortable and it, it requires practice and yeah. you will unfortunately, um, you know, upset some people, but I would much rather go through that discomfort than the discomfort of something happening that I oh had a gut feeling about. And then, you know, it happened and, you know, yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent with you there. Yeah. And that's why, you know, I mentioned it in the beginning, like I'm so concerned when I see parents on Facebook groups, like, Hey, I, we need a cohort of second graders. There's, you know, we want four or five kids who can host at their house. And it's like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm so glad you, you just jumped into that. That was my next question was exactly that. Um, I think that that is, uh, something that we need to be very cautious about. And I would love to get your opinion on that because I think that's a huge piece of what's going to happen going into the fall that we need to be aware of and much more uh, discerning about. So can, can you share your perspective on that? Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's a huge <clears throat> misnomer um, that only girls are abused. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of parents that think, well, I don't have to worry about that because I have a son. Right. That is not in any way, shape or form reality. Exactly. exactly. Um, 
So knowing things, and I'm not saying like, don't do this. I'm saying, don't be so quick to jump in because you're so overwhelmed trying to figure out your life that you'll just take anything that comes along to get your kids reasonably cared for and out of the house or what, you know, whatever it is, everybody's Mm. just trying to figure out how to survive right now. And I do want to acknowledge that and respect that. And we're all in no win situations right now. Mm. Um, but things like, is there an older sibling or an older brother in the house? Um, what do you know about the parents? What do you know about their, I can't tell you how many parents are like, oh, I sent my kid over to play at so-and-so's house and they've never even been in their house before. And it's like, wow. Yeah. It kind of defies logic to me. Um, but, you know, it, it's not like initially you're going to be um, sending your kids over to spend the night or anything like that. But simple things like having been in the house, knowing what the day is going to look like, um, knowing the environment they're in and who's going to be in the house with access to your child. Yeah. Um, you know, expectations beyond just child abuse, like expectations of what happens if there's an emergency, having those conversations, Mm -hmm. um, and just, you know, really making sure that you have eyes wide open and that you have already established those communication expectations with your child. My daughter just went to summer camp at the gym we belong to, um, which I trust and, you know, decided that that was a good thing for her to do and whatever. But every day was like, was there anything that made you uncomfortable today? Was there anything that, you know, uh, made you upset, even beyond just abuse? Just like, tell me about your feelings today and what happened and didn't happen. And so if you are going to set up some sort of small cohort learning thing, that those expectations of communication have already been well-established. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I love that. Absolutely love that. Um, that, that was the perfect way to wrap this up because I think, um, you know, with parents thinking about what their different options are going to be for the fall and how to best navigate this in a safe way, um, that those are some wonderful starting points for parents to think about and to really consider, you know, that uh, abuse prevention is something we need to prioritize as we, you know, continue with the rest of 2020, which hopefully will get better (laughs) by the end of the year, because I think we all need, uh, so yeah, (laughs) we need the silver lining already. So, um, Kara, thank you so very much for, for joining me today and for helping to bring awareness to this and share your, your experience and knowledge. Um, I would love to also, I know that this isn't necessarily related to consent parenting, but um, I know that there's a lot of moms in my audience who are also, you know, entrepreneurs, and I also want to direct them to, uh, you know, the different services that you offer. Um, So I'm going to post those links in the show notes as well, but can you you. um, just tell us a little bit about what you do uh, in your marketing business? And if there are moms that are interested, how can they connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. So now what I do is digital marketing and I specialize in Pinterest marketing. And when I've thought about, you know, this journey and this path, really Pinterest is like 
nobody's hurt. It's not liver, you know, live or die, <laughs> all of that kind of stuff. It's, it's, I've had enough intensity in my life mm. to last a lifetime. So this is something I do because it's fun for me. It works for my family and I get to help other online entrepreneurs. I get to help my peers also be able to prioritize their families. Mm. So over at carachase.com and I'll let you spell it out because Chase is spelled C-H-A-C-E. Um, you can find out about Pinterest marketing and services and my membership and, and offerings and all of that. Um, and then this total random thing that I <laughs> felt called to put out, um, you can find at, it's a bit.ly link. So bit.ly slash online safety ABC, and you can get a free PDF that's five conversation starters to have with your kids. And it's designed to open up further discussion. They're not yes or no questions that they can shut down. Mm -hmm. um, and I go into why you want to ask the particular questions and the conversations that I, I talk about and how that opens up different things to talk about with your kids about online safety. Yeah, I love that. And yeah, so I will, I'll definitely post all of those links in the show notes. You can easily find them. Or if you're watching this um, in video form, you can find the, find the links in the comments. Um, and I also want to just point out that um, with that link, uh, I you know had downloaded it and I found it to be super helpful. I um, have added it as one of the resource links in my online safety workshop. So for anyone who... Um, has you know joined or is interested in joining the workshop you can also find Kara's link there for that um, and yeah I'm excited I'm hoping to work with you also uh, with Pinterest because that is uh, somewhere where I definitely want to be hanging out um, and sharing resources as well so again Kara thank you so much for joining me and um, if you want to connect with Kara you can go to her website or you're also on Instagram no I am it's not my favorite okay but <laughs> I am on Instagram at Kara Chase. Okay, perfect. All right. Well, thanks again for joining us. And uh, I look forward to staying connected. Thanks so much for having me. All right, listeners and viewers, thanks for being here. And if you had some amazing takeaways, we would love to hear them. You can uh, tag us, uh, well, on Instagram, definitely tag both of us anyway, because I know that uh, this will help reach a wider audience if you share, and particularly to let us know what were your takeaways, what did you learn, was there something new, um, or is it like the first time you're hearing this and you're going to take action? I would love to know what action are you going to take, because I'm all about taking action. So let me know, and I look forward to seeing you and uh, tuning in for you on the next episode. Thanks for being here. Don't miss the next episode. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And I would be so grateful if you took one minute to post a five-star rating and reviews on iTunes so that others can also find this information. I will be shouting you out and thanking you on the next episode. If you found this useful, be sure to share it with others as well. Let's continue to create consent culture, one conversation at a time. Stay empowered.